Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
on right now. Good evening, President Mesa. Good evening, Dr. Turpin. Uh, very good, very good. So this is going to be a roundtable discussion um, with President Ronald Mason, Jr., um, Dr. Parajita Day, Associate Professor in the English Program. Good evening, Dr. Day. Good evening, Dr. Turpin. How are you? I'm doing well. And we are and also you- going to hear from... We're also going to hear from Shaniqua Holland, who is a student and blogger um, at UDC. And, of course, your host, Dr. Sherri Ann Turpin, Associate Professor. So we're going to talk about challenges and visions for regenerated and renewed UDC, um, hashtag equal funding UDC. Good evening. Um, people, what's going on. So is that to me? That's to everybody. What's going on? I guess I got a question. <laughs> I got a question that uh, that I could start off with uh, uh, uh President Mason and that is what's the difference between hashtag UDC first choice and hashtag equal funding UDC? Let's start with that. Okay, that's a good one. Um, And so, uh, you know, we've been working uh, for four years uh, to stabilize the institution, and now we're in the building process. Uh, After the first two years, uh, we felt that we had to basically mount a political campaign to uh, get the uh, mayor to start to increase our funding at the university. And so the hashtag for that first campaign, which we called the campaign for UDC, was hashtag equal funding for UDC. And remember, that was about the same time we were, we were well, during that ca- political campaign, we were also gathering information to construct the equity imperative strategic plan. So that was the first hashtag. Uh, and then after we were successful uh, the first year, the mayor, uh, in her inaugural address, address after she got reelected, said that she wanted UDC to be a first choice university for the best and brightest from the uh, from the district. And so, the second campaign for UDC, uh, the hashtag was uh, hashtag UDC first choice, which was a playoff of the mayor's uh, request to the business community that they help UDC become an institution of first choice for for the district's best and brightest students. Okay. So equal so so they're related to each other in other words. Would you say that? Yeah, it was true? they were well, the first one was a theme for the first uh campaign during the budget season for us to increase the budget. Uh, for, to get the mayor to increase the budget, and the second was the campaign this, for the second time we uh, engaged in the budget process to get the mayor to increase the budget. And so we'll have the campaign for UD3 coming up um, for this budget cycle, and, but we haven't come up with a hashtag or a theme yet for that. And so you'll see a third hashtag uh, this budget cycle. Okay. Very good, very good. So 
Um, so right now, um, the four of us, what we're really talking about is building, um, building concepts, um, unpacking concepts upon which to build. There's a website um, that appeared um, in the earlier part of fall, which was, um, you know, called equity, you know, round two, something like that. And so strongly suggesting that, you know, it's a skeleton. It really is. It's it's strongly suggesting that it's ours to build, but that also means that we we probably need to mothball some concepts that no longer assist us in bringing equity and fairness to the D.C. community through higher education. So, um, So there are two interesting facts that I'd like um, the four of us to bounce around with and see where we go with that. Interesting fact number one, median wage of white residents is nearly twice that of black and Latinx residents. Um, education is a key indicator of higher wages in the district. In 2016, individuals working in D.C. With a, with a bachelor's degree or higher at a median wage of 30 uh, $33 an hour, while those with only a high school degree had a median wage of $15 an hour. That's according to D.C. Fiscal Policy Institute. And here's another one. The district has a higher level of income inequality than any other state in the country, with households in the top 20% uh, of income having 20 times more income than the bottom 20%. So you can pretty much guess, well, who gets to make um, less in D.C. So this is this is an, uh, so I'm going to open up and, and open up the floor, so to speak. And I want to hear from you all about what do you think about that, and how does that how does that reflect on the ways that um, on the way that we call ourselves bringing about fairness and, and equity. Um, where are we? Where are we missing some some, some elements? Um, sure, Matt, oh no, sorry. Go ahead, President Mason. No, no, you go. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to listen. Go ahead. I was just uh, first going to ask, how um, can you try to get more student support? Because I spent most of today going through the different uh, web pages, um, and I just found out about a lot of this. I know that it's, you guys have sent out emails, but I've just been focused on trying to graduate. You know, I've been told that I need to get my degree, so I've just been trying to get that. I haven't really cared about the politics. Um, so what can happen to get students more involved and sure. to know more about this, I guess? Well, so um, the, you heard me talk about the two campaigns so far, uh, the hashtag um, – Equal funding for UDC campaign and then the hashtag for uh, UDC first choice, right? Uh, yes. We actually had students uh, working with us on both of those campaigns, uh, and they had T-shirts and they went to all of the mayor's budget hearings and so forth. And we usually work through the uh, the student leaders, the elected leaders. Um, yes. And so we'll be doing that again this year for the third uh, campaign for UDC. But your general question about how to get students more engaged, you know, I, I, uh, that's a great question, and I'm not sure I have an answer across the board because, you know, we have these um, 
town hall meetings, and we announce them to everybody. But uh, you know, students generally don't don't come. They're busy, most of them. And right. uh, we even have the student forums, you know, that are held by the um, the student leadership. And uh, now I do get a lot of emails, and we do we do have a lot of individual questions and uh, challenges that we deal with. But getting everybody together in a group is tough, you know, because a lot of our students work and a lot or come to campus and take class and then go to work. Um, and so if you got some ideas, you know, I'm, I'm willing to listen. Um, but it's not for lack of trying. I, 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 that's understandable. I don't yeah. – maybe try to get people to engage with the, the new campaign hashtag, like – I've, I was looking on the at the comments on the Big Ideas um, Equity Imperative Round 2 website, and a lot uh-huh. of people seem to be concerned about the infrastructure of the school. Yeah. So yeah. maybe if there's an issue where there's an infrastructure issue, like you, you can post a sign that says, like, concerned about infrastructure issues, and then put the hashtag. Oh, instead, you know, one. instead of having a, a out-of-order sign or whatever, because yeah, no, that I like way that. maybe I like that. You know, it'll let students know, like, hey, we're working to get this fixed. Or if you want to know why it's not fixed as, as quickly as you would like it to be, then then go here or, you know, something like that. I, I just wrote that down. I think that's a great idea. Thank Look for the uh, side to come up soon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Especially okay. so, uh, so. Go ahead, okay, Dr. Jay. So, Dr. Kuhlman, I have been patiently listening to Dr. May, uh, President Mason and Shaniqua. So, you know, given I formed a brief thought in my head, and I'm trying to see if I can um, wed both of these ideas. I'm just, you know, so help me think. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm looking at the uh, first campaign, the equal funding campaign, and then the second campaign, the first choice UDC campaign. Um, and I'm thinking that, you know, how do these campaigns feed into each other, eventually informing the pathways skeleton? Uh, because one cannot be done without the other, and the next, the third one, the pathways, cannot be done without all of these concerns. So that's, that's one. So maybe the first choice UDC campaign needs to be revamped um, so that we, we can, with the funding, with the additional funding that we've been promised, Maybe we can start to develop some infrastructural, foundational, multidisciplinary, diverse courses that can attract the best and the brightest, as President Mason just put it, um, for, you know, under this campaign. So that was one thought. The second thought was, um, how could we get more students to engage with us and, you know, try to know what we are about? I think, why don't we expand? Are we expanding enough within the district population? Um, so why don't we have some kind of, an, of a program or coordination with high schools, with to-be graduates from high schools, or people that are, that are thinking of going to colleges, uh, campaigning in government, you know, working, from, uh, working in government offices, because some of my students are also, you know, this is a commuter campus, so my students are full-time government employees for the most part. So, you know, I'm thinking about carrying out something like a deliberative uh, opinion poll, you know, you, you get a representative, you get a random sample, and then you bring people together at a place to deliberate about an issue. And we place the issue 
of how can we make this public institution in an urban, you know, the only one, uh, you know, how can we make it work for all of us and, and, and pull all of us up together? Um, so instead of just focusing it on the, on the UDC uh, campus citizens, why don't we just expand this, the, you know, this campaign and carry it outside of campus? And maybe, you know, with, with deliberative polling, maybe we'd get what we, you know, some of the answers can be answered. And maybe we'd get, we'd, we'd garner more support, more engagement within the community, is, is what I'm thinking. Well, actually, um, you're thinking uh, exactly what we did. <laughs> so, um, it, well, so in the first and second campaign, right, um, we actually went all around uh, the district and visited with community organizations and neighborhood groups and uh, high schools. And, um, you know, in the first one, uh, it was through those visits that we got information about what district residents wanted UDC to look like. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that went into the equity imperative uh, strategic plan. Uh, and then we did the same thing the second year, and, and because it was really uh, the, the uh, ANCs and the community organizations sending emails to uh, the mayor and the city council, district council, that mm -hmm. really got their attention. Um, Fantastic. So, yeah, so it worked. And in both years, we got our budget increased. Um, not as much as we would like to have gotten it increased, but, you know, we have enough to uh, deal with some salary issues. We have enough to deal with some technology issues. And, um, you know, you know, we, we just bought two new buildings, and we're, we're in the process of starting to renovate the campus now. Uh, and so, you know, we, we're not declaring victory because we still have to keep campaigning. That's how it works every year, right? Um, but I think that, uh, you know, I give myself at least a B on the first campaign and a B on the second campaign, and we're going to try to get an A on the third campaign. <laughs> you sure All, right now. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> but your right. ideas are right. right on, and that's exactly what we did. And we get a little better at it every year, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I do. I think the idea, your ideas are great, but the students' idea, um, that, you know, that's a, I think that's a, we, it, the more students we can get involved, the better. Yep. And right. the the condition of our facilities seems to be one of their biggest um, concerns, and that might really be a way to, to rally some interest around them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get right on that idea. I think it's a good. I think they're all good ideas. I'm I'm glad y'all are, are sharing it with me. <laughs> well, thank you. All right. Yeah. All right. So students would like to see programs that uh, that prepare. Um, that prepare them for the future, um, the future workforce, um, such as um, digital humanities, uh, multicultural or global cultural studies. Um, and of course, you know this is something that um, that I have tended to bring up like a like a broken record again and again at the town hall um, and in other forums. Um, but I'm always reminded of what you always say, President Mason, that it really does um, have to come from um, the faculty. But I would have a caveat that it has to come from the faculty and the students. Um, I, and I think that um, sometimes uh, 
sometimes we sometimes in our eagerness um, to make change, we don't listen to all of the, the corners. When I say we, I'm not necessarily talking about us talking here tonight, but when I say we, I'm talking about UDC. It's, you know, it's humans. It's you know, it's the way that humans interact. We hear some things and we don't hear other things. Um, but we've had some we've had some challenges. Um, we've had some some interesting experiences that remind us that um, that there really does need to be um, some concepts that should be built and expanded on, and others that should be mothballed. And of course, when I say mothballed, I'm talking about um, ideas about um, groups of people according to sexual orientation, according to race, according to gender. And so when I looked at um, part one and part two, we see multicultural, we see words like multicultural diversity, but never really anything that's, that's truly fleshed out. And in some ways I feel as though it's, it's a reluctant conversation um, with, with some of my colleagues. And so I kind of want to open up the floor and talk a little bit about how we could um, use, you know, student concerns and faculty concerns and administrative concerns um, as, a, as a stepping stone towards um, addressing some of these issues. Um, any thoughts? Anybody can talk about this tonight. Well, I could I could tell you what, what's going to happen, and then uh, would love to hear some some reaction if that's okay. Okay. Um, sure. And so, you know, the the, the information um, that we posted, EI, uh, e, what do we call it? EI two reboot, I think, right? Um, what that is is to um, update the equity imperative strategic plan. And most mm-hmm. of the updating has to do with uh, our academic programs and connecting them into seamless pathways that lead directly to uh, a bachelor's degree, right, um, with multiple, okay. multiple credentials and often on-ramps along the way. And so uh, the person responsible for that, leading that effort, is the new chief academic officer. And, you know, what uh, programs we prioritize, what the content of the pathways look like, the role of uh, general education in that process, you know, all of those are going to be conversations taking place over the next three, four, five months. Um, And, you know, the more engaged the faculty and students are in the process, the better the outcomes will be. Now, what, uh, we, what we posted on there were some really uh, ideas to stimulate conversation. Um, I actually went through all of our programs and, and, and showed where some pathways, what some pathways could look like. But those were just my ideas, and then I ran them past the cabinet, and, you know, they tweaked them, and that's what we put out to start the conversation. Uh, and then that uh, the, the thing that showed the, um, the levels of progression, you know, that was our ideas about um, what, competen- what competencies would be needed 
for a student to, to progress through the learning process at UDC. Um, and so, uh, so this is a live, a live activity right now. Um, you know, I've offered to come and, and, and make the presentation to the faculty senate, uh, and you know, I'm hoping they'll take me up on the offer. I know that I uh, chief academic, yeah, I know the chief academic officer has already started discussions with the deans, um, and the reason we posted it is because. If, if you can't get to a meeting, then, you know, tell us your thoughts on the website. Um, because the more information we have, I think the better off the outcomes will be at the end of the process. And so that's what's going on as we speak. I see. Okay. So, Dr. Day, what are your thoughts? So, you know, looking at the pathways uh, skeleton, uh, the equity Part two, I thought that, you know, if you're thinking about a sustainable uh, future for all BC residents, then education needs to be diversified and competency and skills need to be diversified. So as a result of which, I think that under slide one, health, nutrition, public health, urban sustainability, these can all be you know, these can all be individual uh, disciplines to study, while we could also get this to be more interdisciplinary by opening up a concentration that can be called food studies, which can mm -hmm. take courses from both nutrition, public health, urban sustainability, and make it interdisciplinary with a humanities, uh, you know, course thrown in, because mm -hmm. you cannot really talk about food studies without having uh, to see how to get to a report, how to write a report, or how to write, how to, you know, how to present on things that, that you know, most women are in charge of putting food on the table. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I increasingly have female huh. students in my classes. So let's have a conversation that is campus-wide, that is interdisciplinary, and that is which something that can get you a job in a nonprofit or in the government, and also start, make you think about how to eat right and how to eat better without, without busting your pockets. And I think I that that, yeah, yeah. that, that is one yeah. thing that I thought. Um, I also thought that we might have concentrations, we might have minors, we might have associates, bachelors, masters, and PhDs, but we do not have, uh, and we could have, um, uh, something called professional writing because Writing is very genre-specific, so there can be legal writing, which we could collaborate, humanities could collaborate with the law school. There could be journalistic writing, uh, writing for not uh, nonprofits. Some of my students work for nonprofits. Some of them intern for nonprofits, writing for, uh, to be, become a social entrepreneur, uh, writing for the medical uh, profession, um, writing for the I just mentioned legal profession, technical writing, business writing, you know, all kinds of professional pathways that can be informed uh, within the engineering, STEM fields, legal fields, and the humanities. So we, we you know, we, we are talking about a seamless, seamless alignment that is at mm -hmm. the same time, you know, making you more competent, not less, because it is diversifying your skills on the workforce while giving you certain very pragmatic, critical thinking skills that you need every second of your life. 
um, at home and at work. So, I, you know, I think that, that the, the, the skeleton has a lot of potential to be developed. And, yes, it can be more enriched by, by diversifying, uh, you know, the, the offerings that we have so far. Yeah. Right. For, for I like that. I, agree with, I do. I agree with it. Um, a couple of things. One, um, if, if, if you um, – when I make the presentation – uh, the first level of competencies um, would be things that every employer wants and that mm-hmm. is most, m- mostly humanities-based. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that writing has to be infused wh- 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 in everything that we do. Uh, but we should, have, we should have a basic level of competency before, in writing before a student that can progress to level two. Okay, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but the same thing with critical thinking, uh, the same th- same thing with uh, communicating uh, in writing and orally, uh, mastery of language. You know, the ability to uh, to think and see a bigger world. I mean, these are all humanities-based uh, skills, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we're going to have to make sure that we infuse into. Uh, the 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 learning system that that the faculty develops uh, that says what kind of student that we graduate, and so you right. know, I'm with you 100 percent. But look, I'll, I'll give you the other side of it now. Um, mm-hmm. There are real workforce needs out there, right? And so, um, you know, people are going to want the employers say we need healthcare workers, right? Uh, right. We need uh, technology people and engineers, or we need edu- we need teachers, right? And mm-hmm. so we have to produce those things, but the, it, that's just the title. It doesn't say what the quality of the person is and the depth of the learning that that, that person graduates that's with that. when they leave mm-hmm. PhD, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm with you, uh, but you got to get in the process. You got to make that point. Right. You know, when when, they, when right. they're building right. these new programs, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Shanique, well, you had some, some thoughts about that as well. No, I'm just um, taking everything in right now, actually. I'm going to pin my thoughts um, for just a minute or two moment. I like how this conversation is going. Um, I like the ideas that have been presented so far. My concerns were mostly with um, workforce development and continuing education, Um because I care a lot about people in the D.C. community. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to think how would you make school appealing to people that don't find it appealing because um, of their education prior. So when they went to high school or whatever, how, how can we kind of rebrand the school to appeal more to those people? Yeah, so... Um... So the, the thinking behind the equity imperative, right, is that, as Dr. Turpin said earlier, um, you know, D.C. is literally the richest and poorest uh, state in America. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And the wealth gap here is bigger than it is anywhere else, right? Right. But because, right. because, we, we, because we are the, the public university for the nation's capital, uh, we have to serve everybody. Right, which is why the vision of the um, equity imperative is that every student that comes through our doors will reach their highest level of human potential. Okay, 
Um, And and so, you know, the facilities are going to get fixed. Uh, You're going to see commercials start to hit the television um, probably November. Um, But we still have to get our blocking and tackling straight, right? What happens when people answer the phone? What happens when they go to the website? Um, You know, how is our recruiting messaging happening when we go out to the high schools? But i tell you one thing that we're doing that I think is really exciting. Uh, we've been working very closely with the Anacostia community uh, to, okay. create, oh. yeah, to, to create a seamless pipeline from the community all the way up through a, a bachelor's degree and working with um, the K-12 theater system through Anacostia High School, uh, and we're calling it the Community Through 16 Equity Academy. And if you think about it, um, and I don't, I'm going to say this as, as, in as succinctly as I can, America is not okay. designed for the people uh, on the wrong end of the wealth gap, right? To right. Ever right. Um, right. And so, and so, and public education is a part of the, is a part of the way that that wealth is stifled because um, if you just understand the dynamics of public education. You know, it's almost impossible for students to be successful if you're poor and you're black and you're brown, right? Um, And so this C-16 Equity Academy is really us partnering with DCPS and other national partners to redesign public education. And when we talk about um, rebooting the equity imperative, what I've told uh, my senior folks is that, look, you know, let's wipe the slate clean and if you were going to build a university from scratch, right, if you could sit down and design a university and build it from scratch, what would it look like? And that's really uh, the kind of thinking that I think is going to get us where we need to go. Well, okay. so, if I could just add my little five cents in. Um, I attended um, an assessment training today, uh, Dr. Carl Moore, um, Hosted it today, and uh, a, something sort of came up, popped up on the screen, and it pretty much said everything that I, you know, that I keep saying is that um, we really need to um, we need to build something that speaks to um, the fact that the majority of our students happen to be women, and in particular, women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that says to me is that there's, a, there's an opportunity. Some people might see it as a, as a, as a gap. I see it as, as an opportunity. We're an HBCU, but we don't have multicultural studies. We don't have global studies. And in some ways, I feel so... We don't have foreign language. Right. Yep. Foreign right, women right, and gender right, right. Yes. Yes. Women and gender studies. So, and, and, and I guess that's the point that I'm that's the point that I'm, I'm getting at. We twenty percent of our twenty percent of our students um, I, I identify as being something other than heterosexual, LGBTQIA. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We have we have a sizable number of students. Um, who has needs that are not being that are not being met? Now, I'll say this: 
before President Mason arrived on campus, we did not have um, a multicultural center, but we now have one. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a yeah. step in, a, in, in the right direction. Um, you know, general education has its uh, diversity um, course, but we need to go. We need to go much further than that. I really don't believe that in order for students to be exposed to gender studies, women's studies, LGBTQIA studies, black studies, Asian studies, I don't believe that students should have to travel across town to go to Georgetown or to go to GW or to Catholic U or University of Maryland, or any of these other um, universities or or Howard just to be exposed to to, to studies that that go beyond the previous model, which was, and this is something that we like to say at PWIs, but I'm afraid that we see it at HBCUs, the ideal or notion that the ideal student is white, male, heterosexual, upper class. Enable by And so if we are going to serve the D.C. community, truly serve the D.C. community, um, if we're going to reach out um, across the river, so to speak, then we really do need to, um, we need to, we need to cover those areas because, after all, our students go out into the working world, go into the workforce, go into our schools and the government agencies and the nonprofit agencies. Um, but if they're not properly prepared for a diverse world that we now live in, um, right. then they're not going to be able to, to take advantage of all of the um, opportunities that are out there. So, right. Well, I, I, um, just like to say that I was almost I was almost going to drop out because of personal things, but I did see that there was a LGBTQ speculative fiction class um, one mm-hmm. semester, and because I was like, oh, this is really cool that the school is offering this. It, it makes me um, it makes me actually want to stay in school and want to go because I can actually learn about this. If, wow. if that makes sense. Um, Very so, good. <laughs> There are small strides being made. That was that was actually Dr. Turpin. Yeah, that was Dr. Turpin. I know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But it hasn't been it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy, and I'm quite sure, Dr. Day, you could you could probably um, share share this uh, as well. That there there that there seems to be a a reluctance. Um, There seems to be a a, a very strong opposition to um, truly um, diversifying what we what we mm-hmm. offer, and we're speaking from, we're speaking from the perspective of, of humanities. But to be honest with you, if I if, if I look at if I look at business, if I look at engineering, if I look at um, some of the other programs across campus, I do see that there's um, sort of a some small efforts, but it's not really reflective of what the you know of, of what the needs are, what the demands are. What and if we're going to call ourselves being part of the 21st century, I think we need to step it up a little bit. What do you think, guys? 
sure. Yeah. For sure. I, I agree with it. So, I, uh, so you want to say something? Um, uh, no. So, um, um. <laughs> so here, here, so perspective, right? Perspective. Um, you all, at least two of you, have been at UDC. I think longer than me, right? I know you have Dr. Turpin. I'm not sure yes. about Dr. Day. How long? You, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Dr. Day, well, I joined UDC the same year as you did. In fact, oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, so 2015. I I joined in August. Okay, well then, um, here's 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 the way I look at it, right? Um, of course, um, you're right. Uh, we have a ways to go yet, yet, right? But when I look at uh, what UDC has been through, you know, at at one point it had what almost 15,000 students, right? And you know, people literally tried to close the place down. And in some ways, I'm amazed, candidly, that it's still here and doing a pretty good job at what it does after some pretty difficult times, right? And the reason we don't have those programs you're talking about is because they kept cutting the budget. And right. when you cut budget, something has to go, right? And so I look at it at now like at least now we're stable, Okay. Uh, are much stabler than we have been. And now the process is to start to rebuild. And, you know, and what we build has to do with um, continuing to get the resources we need. That's the first part, right? But I think also, um, you know, establishing the priorities that we want to, we want, we want to talk about. We have, you know, we, we literally have the most diverse student body I've ever seen. And it's not just, in the ways that you would normally think of diversity. I mean, we have uh, part-time students, full-time students, students that stop and go over eight years. We have working students. We have single mother students. We have returning citizen students. Uh, uh, and we have students of all race, uh, colors, and, you know, sexual orientation and choices. And so um, we're going to build an institution that uh, – helps all of them uh, reach their highest level of levels of human potential, knowing that that potential changes over time. And so if life gets in the way and they need to get off, they can get back on and, and climb to the next step. Uh, but we're not there Absolutely. yet. And it's a process that's going to take a minute, you know, I, um, and it's going to be, it's going to be hard to get there, but uh, so far so good. And we do have the center and, you know, in fact, we just met with the director of the center, the cabinet did, and she uh, gave us a good uh, lesson in the things that we ought to be doing, you know, which is what you should be doing. Um, mm -hmm. But we can't do them all right now. Uh, and yeah. so it's a process of, you know, keeping keeping us honest and pushing us where we need to go and then engaging in the conversation so that we can agree on whether or not we continue to make pro progress. Uh, but don't ever stop pushing because, you know, these are important issues and uh, it ain't personal. It's all about building no. the best UDC we can build. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, that 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 needs to be repeated, President Mason. It's not personal. Um, it's not, yeah. you know, and you know, people will agree, disagree on, on in certain areas and whatnot. That's part of higher education, part of academia. Yes. 
Um, and so that's when we have, that's when we need to sit down and talk. So that's one of the biggest reasons why I decided to approach um, being messy um, about starting a diversity committee. And so mm-hmm. starting, um, and, and we're going to be meeting in a, in a, in a couple of weeks to, to do exactly that, and that is have the Kavadarn station, to borrow from Larry Reed, um, to have the conversation um, to start planning and start building and start reaching across uh, various programs, reach across campus. There is no reason why we can't talk to um, faculty in causes or faculty in business about um, building um, courses, building um, minors, building programs, um, you, know, bu- you know, building symposiums that address all of these issues while at the same time um, creating opportunities for students um, to get out there in the working world and offer something that is truly unique. Um, right. And so, um, and also identify, you know, taking, you know, you know, taking heed and listening to students. Um, Shaniqua um, has decided to come on board and be my assistant for my podcast show. Um, yeah. But this is not just, yes, right, right. And so this is not, <laughs> this is not just for this particular semester. The purpose of doing something like that is, is, is encouraging um, the English program um, to really um, push forward and become a leader in um, offering um, courses, offering uh, minors and, and offering symposiums on digital humanities, on, um, you know, cultural studies, um, and looking at um, the ways in which we can um, serve the D.C. community, serve the campus. And so um, Shaniqua is a future leader. And that's exactly why when I listen to her, I listen to her as a blogger. She's taking a course with me right now. But Shaniqua hit the ground running. Did you not? <laughs> of course you did. Thank you if you say so. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And so it's up to us who are teaching. And, you know, so when I say teaching, I'm talking about you, Dr. Day. I'm talking about you, President Mason, because you're also a professor. Um, And, of course, I'm talking about myself, that we have a responsibility. So that when students reach out and say, hey, I want to, you know, I want to build this because, this will become a foundation um, for building my own um, podcast show, building my own brand, building my own um, corporation. Um, it's got to start somewhere. And, of course, yeah. that, to me, that's part of the, the, the process of, of revamping, re- rethinking what a university is supposed to be all about. We're not just sort of sitting in a corner and doing the research, that's important, of course. But it has to apply somewhere, somehow. And I'm seeing other faculty on campus are doing, um, doing some similar activities. And so um, I think CAS 
um, is, is definitely, you know, at the forefront of that. So um, any thoughts? Well, I don't want to do all the talking, but I always have thoughts, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, 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 we'll just off from where you, uh, where you, uh, well, where you start. Um, so a couple of things. One, um, the you've heard me talk about being both teachers and learners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The students that we work with today uh, have as much to teach us as as we have to teach them, and vice versa. You know, as much to learn, because you know the world changes so quickly. Uh, it's impossible for uh, faculty, I think, at least I know it's impossible for a president uh, to keep up with the world that, that these young people are growing up in. Um, and so every year a new class almost literally brings a new world with it. And so, um, yeah. you know, that, that's why, that's why I, I appreciate you um, inviting me to your class. I wish more faculty did it, you know. Well, really? Uh, because, okay. yeah, but, Huh? Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll, then I'll try. I, I, yeah, I well, invite tried. me. Because, yeah, invite me because um, you know, of all the things I do as a president, that's the one thing that is not the one thing, but that is the most <laughs> enjoyable opportunities that I have when I get to sit and and, and talk to the students. You know, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to you know symbolize uh, the importance of your work. Um, you know we really do need to deal with the ignorance about each other. You know, human beings mm. come in all, all forms, shapes, and sizes, and it's really just a lack of the ability to see and understand the God the God and everybody uh, that causes a lot of the trouble that we have among each other. And so, um, you know, I, I applaud the work that you're doing and your, and your endurance and, and keeping to uh, knock on the door with it, you know. I do have one thought for you, though, Dr. Turpin. Um, I do recall that you, uh, I think you won an award for this um, for this broadcast, didn't you, from the CAS? Uh, CAS yes, I did. And I didn't even, right, and I, I, I didn't even know that I was getting, it, uh, getting an award. Of course, you know, no, I'm, I'm not throwing any particular shade. We know how communication um, operates because that very well, same day I was also presenting. So, uh, yes, well, I got it Well, my point award. is that you should, you, should, you should refer to your, block at, your podcast as the award-winning podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. You're right. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so all right. That's 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 yet another another revision that I need to do on my show page and on my and on my blog for that matter. And so I will do exactly exactly that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that was a long time coming. I started this particular show in 2012, and it's started out as a hobby. And back in 2012, people weren't really talking about podcasts. And then, I don't know, about one and a half, maybe two years ago, it started to pick up. And um, I started listening to 
um, some of the pop culture podcasts that are out there. Larry Reed Live, of course, I mentioned that. Um, the Joe Budden Show um, and some of the other um, podcasts that are floated out there. Um, and I started running into faculty um, who were doing um, who were doing um, podcasts um, for you know for academic purposes. And so, of course, I was like, well, why am I? You know, I, I was I was interviewing, um, you know, various, um, you know, various professors and, and whatnot, but I really was not, really was not doing um, all that I could be doing. But then I looked at uh, Mark Anthony Neal. Mark Anthony Neal, um, Doctor Mark Anthony Neal, um, he's a professor at Duke, and he mm-hmm. does African American studies. And um, I started looking at what he was doing, and along with his publication, um, he has his he has several blogs, um, and he has a podcast show um, that is funded by the university. And keep in mind, folks, I do uh, pay for this every single month, ninety nine dollars a month. So if you want to fund me. You can fund me um, through this little cash app, Dr. Turpin, or you can go to um, AfrofuturismScholar.com and you can donate through my PayPal link. Um, I pay for this, but it's worth it um, because this is how I've been able to reach out to and to talk to um national and, in some cases, international figures. I did a podcast with a a councilman from Dublin, Ireland, of all places. And so this has allowed me to be able to connect in ways that traditionally professors who come from, um, you know, a small city university wouldn't be able to have access to. There's something about social media, Twitter, Facebook, um, and then, of course, podcasting, that allows me to be able to reach across racial lines, social class lines, and gender lines, and sexual orientation lines. And so um, it's one of, the, one of my motivations for teaching students um, how to uh, podcast, because if we're going to prepare for the 21st century, they need to have, you have tools to... to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, folks... Believe it or not, we have covered pretty much almost the entire hour. We've had a chance to uh, to talk and chat. Of course, I set this up for 90 minutes um, just in case we run over time. But um, I want to kind of go around our virtual table, and I want to um, hear from each one of you um, what you are taking away from this particular roundtable and what you are leaving behind for other people to pick up and run with. So let's start with you, Shanequa. Okay. Um, researching stuff to prepare for this podcast um, made me more insightful about what was going on. So I do appreciate speaking with you guys and hearing from you today. 
Um, I do want to ask President Mason, because he said he didn't mind sitting in on professor classes, if he could visit my Discovery Civics class and possibly talk about some of what we discussed today, um, because it is a civics engagement course. And I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with the uh, third campaign that you want to roll out. Tell your professor to uh, send me an email, and we'll set up a date. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, Dr. Day. So I think I'm I'm leaving here with a lot of optimism from from President Mason's side. Actually, that I you know the optimism is like let's let's look at the glass to be half full instead of not full or half empty, um, because UDC has changed for the better during the five years that I've served here. And I congratulate all of us in putting our efforts, our endeavors, our brains, um, and our, you know, honest, um, honest love for this, for this campus. So that's something that I'm taking out. And I'm also taking out the understanding of being persistent, you know, engaging and, and keep pushing back, keep pushing for the changes that we want, never stop the conversation, um, enter into the dialogue with student communities, with faculty associates, with, with you know, with, with, uh, with administrators, with, you know, whoever is a, able to give you a good listen, uh, talk to them, persist, engage, is, is something that I'm taking out from this conversation. Um, I'm leaving behind uh, with a lot of understanding about how can I do better, you know, one of the, one of the, Key things that I that I found that that I could you know uh, I could I could include in my classes maybe one class session here or there is have the students listen from the from the horse's mouth in this case it it would be President Mason you know have have the student a better understanding that you know we are connected we are an interconnected campus and everyone here is accountable to the rest you know we are all for each and each for all here and let's hear it out from the mouth of the president himself. And which would mean that we are all connected in developing, providing, and giving them the competitive skills that they have. They are here for, um, which which is something that I think that that I need to work on. I need to improve on, and I need to keep that going in all of my classes. That we, you know, we I I usually stress stress that. CS, English, library, we are working together, but this time around I'm, I'm going to include that extra, extra layer that, you know, we have the admins also on our side, and here's our president. You know, you, you know you can, if you're not hearing, getting it from the president, you're not getting it at all. I mean, uh, who is the better, best bet to give you what's going on and what we are looking at, what is the future direction, um, and that we are all doing classes, informing you, giving you the knowledge, that is actually in sync with what the president is going to be talking about. And I think that, that those, those interactions are going to get our students, our faculty members, our administrators more involved immediately, you know, feel the pulse of the generation that we are touching. So, so that, that, those are my two wow. cents from me. Wow, 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 wow. So Shaniqua, do you have anything that you want to promote? Before I get to Dr. Uh, before I get to President Mason, do you have anything? Do you want to promote your blog? Uh, I do not. Not at this moment, no ma'am. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but it's, it's, 
I'm just I'm still building my I do want to promote my English 364 course coming up in the spring. It's called Introduction to Ethnic and Postcolonial Literatures. It's a um, I believe it is a it is a Tuesday Thursday um, course from um, four to five twenty. It's it's going to be uh, uh, you know about uh, learning about the literatures that are produced, disseminated, and published by the by the you know the post-colonial world and published in the English-speaking press. Uh, but you know, let's let's look at a world as a globalized, interconnected world. Um, what are some of the basic um, basic uh, concepts that are that keep us connected in the trajectory of further developing our interconnectedness? So this is what this course is about. We are visiting both traditional and contemporary texts, texts from the 19th, uh, 20th century to the current times. It's uh, it's political, cultural. It it has gender identities global identities that I call into question. So I, I promise like any other elective that I've offered, it's going to be an equally rejuvenating, reinvigorating course. So take it. And what was, what was the course number again? <laughs> E-N-G, what? This is uh, English 364. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Very good. So I do have a, a, a brief promo. Um, so I will be teaching American Writers of Color and Decolonization. Um, that is a face-to-face class from 4 to 5.20 p.m. This is our American Lit course, but the focus will be on American Writers of Color um, and dealing with colonialism, slavery, and the aftermath. Um, and so I'm also teaching writing for the web intersectionality digital um, um, intersectionality, and so um, for those of you who have not taken the writing for the web course, that is what I am offering. That is an online course. So, um, President Mason, do you have something that you'd like to promote? Uh, well, the University of the District of Columbia, which is sort of what I do for a living, um, but I'd like a couple of thoughts before we get off. One, um, What I've picked up here is that uh, writing a letter to the community is one thing, but um, you really do have to get out there and and, and talk to folks for for it to really uh, to hit home. Uh, And then second, uh, Dr. Turpin, I don't know, I've I've probably done three or four of these with you now, uh, and I've enjoyed them all, but I think this was the most enjoyable because, um, you know, whenever you put faculty and students uh, together, you know, good things happen and good conversation happens and good good ideas happen. And I just appreciate the opportunity to be a part of it because uh, I've enjoyed this one uh, as much or more than the other other podcasts that we've done. So thank right you. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, – and, and thank all – I want to thank all of you for coming um, to this show tonight. Um. And, of course, for those of you who are listening, this show will be, of course, available for you to download, um, for you to listen to again and again, and to get some of those ideas. Um, And if if you are in one of my classes, you can email me and you can text me um, any of your ideas. Um, And, of course, we know that... um, 
President Mason is always available. Please go to the town hall. And I'm saying this not just to the students, but to the faculty. I've noticed that whenever we have town halls for faculty, we always see the same people. Um, we don't, and we, we, we don't see enough people um, showing up. We don't see enough people stepping up to the mic and taking a risk. Um, this is actually one of those campuses where academic freedom um, is is actually possible, even in the, the times that we're living in. And so um, I want to wish everyone um, who is listening a wonderful evening, and um, I'd like to um, sign off and have a wonderful evening. All right. Thank you. Good night, folks. Thank you. Thank you, Shanika. All right. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.